righty. Does anybody need a Bible? Raise your hand. We're going to have some Bibles passed out to you. We are in Romans chapter 1 this morning as we continue our study through the book of Romans, starting it with the intro last week. And we're going to do something a little bit different, um, similar to what we did with the gospel of Mark, um, the way that Paul breaks up Romans, the really overarching theme of the whole book focuses on the righteousness of God, okay? So there's five sections, if you will, that we, that I have broken down into five series, which we're going to go through to finish or complete the book of Romans. Today, we are going to do our first series, which is God's righteousness revealing the unrighteousness of mankind. So for us to understand our position, Paul goes and he shows us why we should expect the wrath of God. Nobody wants to talk about the wrath of God. Nobody wants to consider that that is something that we have to possibly face in the future. And this morning, that is what we're going to talk about in this three-part series. The next three weeks, we're going to be focusing again specifically on God's righteousness, revealing the unrighteousness of mankind. And then today's message, the first of this three-part series, is repress, reject, and reason. This These are the three positions that the whole world finds themselves in before God. And this is the reason, these three things are the reason that they are under the wrath of God in the future if something doesn't happen or change, all right? Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, and then this is our key verse, this is what we're going to see throughout the entire book of Romans, we're going to focus on uh, over and over again, verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I shared with you guys last week, and I've shared with you before, part of my testimony of how I came to the Lord. See, before I became a Christian, I thought that I was always right. Can I get a witness? Anybody ever feel that way? Like, you? no, I'm right, you're wrong. Listen, wife, listen, kids, listen to me. You know that, that I'm... I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong, right? <laughs> that was my motto that I live by. I'm right. And I got to the point in my life where God showed me my unrighteousness. He showed me how I wasn't right, that he had a better plan, that he was the one that's right. And that's what this verse, that's what this theme is connected to. It's the righteousness of God. The gospel is In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And if we have that revelation of truth, that God is right, and we want to align ourselves with that truth, what happens? We start to become right, right? We do. If we're walking in the path of God, if we're following after Him, and everything He does is good, everything He does is right, then we're heading in the right direction, The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. From faith to faith. You know what that means? Some people think that that's a confusing thing to say, but it's not confusing at all. What that means is that's how it's always been. 
It's not from law to faith or from faith to law. It's always been, the focus has always been faith. It was always what was highlighted in the early fathers' lives, their faith toward God. And later on, when the law came, we'll see in the next chapter, it was not about just pure sacrifice by obeying the law. It was faith in trusting that God's word was true, that his law was right. And when they functioned in that capacity, it was out of the place or coming out of the place of faith. It wasn't just the works. That's why we as New Testament believers, the foundation of our lives, of our faith, is faith. And from that, we produce the fruits of the Spirit, come good works. It's not something that we have to make happen. It's fruit. The just shall live by faith. Here's the first point, if you're taking notes and you'd like to note this. Here's the first point of our three points that we're looking at this morning, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Do you know what the difference between ungodliness and unrighteousness is? Ungodliness is those things that you would do against or opposed to God. Unrighteousness is those things that you would do towards or against God your fellow man, your fellow person. So God says, I'm not just worried about how you respond to me, how you treat me. I'm also concerned of how you treat each other. And that's the reason that you're in this category. The key word here for us is uh, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You know what a synonym for suppress is? Repress. (laughs) See what I did there? I needed an R so I could have three R's. So suppress, repress. And what it is, is to de-emphasize something. Could you think about that for a second? God says, here I am. The emphasis and the focus of these verses is God saying that he wants to reveal himself to mankind. And as that revelation clearly is coming from heaven, the, the unrighteousness of man suppresses the truth. I want to ask you a question this morning because we're going to dig into this a little bit more, but it's not fun or easy, but have you ever uh, suppressed the truth of God in your own life? I think at one point or another, I have done all three of these things. I have suppressed, repressed the truth in my life. I have rejected the truth in my life, and I have reasoned my position before God, which is pretty unreasonable. But what I found walking with the Lord is that I've no longer suppressed the truth of God to the point where I'm worshiping idols, which we're going to see is what they ended up doing. They, they put down or suppressed the, the truth of God and turned to creature rather than the creator. But sometimes there can be a point in a season of our lives that God does reveal something to us. His righteousness is revealed. And he says, hey, Tim, I want you to, I want you to, to not do this anymore. Hey, Tim, I want you to address this thing in your life. And I'm like, I'm going to repress the truth of God about this little... God, I don't want to address that right now. 
can I have some time? Usually I don't even give him the benefit of the question of asking. I just do it. I just repress it. Don't focus on it. Don't give it any attention. But it's important as God is continuing to reveal himself to us. Do you want God to reveal himself to you today? Today, do you want to know who God is? Because that's what he wants for you. And as he does that, as he transfers that to you, are you going to be okay to accept whatever that revelation is and receive it? Or are you more in a position of where you're willing to suppress it in unrighteousness because you think what you're doing right now is right when it's not right because only God is right? Remember last week I said there's going to be things that God challenges you on through this book. People's lives, my life, but people's lives have been radically changed because of this book, the book of Romans. Do you know next, not, it's still August, October 31st, a couple months from now, do you know what that day is? known for us as Halloween, but, but historically, it's the great day of the Reformation. Reformation Day, Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis on the door in Wittenberg. And this coming, October 31st, is the 500-year anniversary of that. That was the event that started to catapult us out of the dark ages because of the grace and truth of, of the book of Romans that transformed Martin Luther's life. Do you want that kind of transforming power to happen in your life? Because I do. I do. 500 years ago. Because what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. You know how emphatic that verse is? It's not God tried to show them and they didn't receive it or it wasn't clear enough for them. It's very clear. God did show them. They did receive the knowledge of God. It was plain as day. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glory, glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is what happens when you start to suppress the truth of God in your life. You start to say, that's not important, that's not important, I don't need that God, I don't want to deal with that, I don't want to address it, and what happens is your heart starts to get darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So what's the next step that happens when people, let's say people, suppress the truth of God, suppress the revelation of God? What's the next thing that happens? Idolatry. They refocus. It says that they... It says that they knew God. They knew God. You think it's possible to suppress the truth in your life if you have that revelation knowing who God is. Yes, you know why? Because that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. They knew God. 
That verse still blows my mind. God came down, was walking through the garden in the cool of the day to go have fellowship with Adam and Eve, and they were hiding because they just realized they were naked. Who told you you were naked? They knew God, but they chose something different. So what happens when the world suppresses the truth of God in unrighteousness? What happens is their hearts are darkened. It's always a hard issue. You guys know that. It's always a hard issue. Their hearts are darkened, and then the next, the next natural step is idolatry. They started to look at and focus on the creature, what God created for us, instead of focusing or, or giving him the attention. It says that they were not thankful. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. You guys see throughout history these petroglyphs and hieroglyphs and, and, and the totem poles. What, what, are, what are in all those things? Animals. The worship of mankind being directed to a thing instead of God himself, the creator. Repression. Mankind represses the truth. Therefore, God says, I have to respond. Their foolish hearts were darkened. They turned to idolatry. See, they were created they were created to know who God was. And in knowing God truly, we can truly worship him. But because they had a void after they suppressed the truth of God in unrighteousness, they turned to idolatry. They turned to things. They turned to stuff that they could see. The next verse starts the second point for us, which is reject which is also the natural progression after we've suppressed. The next thing that happens is they reject. Therefore, because of these things, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that God wanted them to do these things. It does not mean that God made them do these things. Think of it in this context. You, know, you, you, you have a, a child. We have five kids. You know, they get older. They're fun when they're little because you can kick them and make them do chores and stuff. Not hard, just like for fun, you know. Then they get older, they get a mouth. I've, I've, I've got a, a junior hire now. He's one of the sweetest kids I've ever met. He's such a good boy. And then they get a little bit older, and, and they're teenagers, and, and you want to kick them out. At least that's what I've heard. I, don't, I haven't had any teenagers yet, but that's what, that's what they tell me. So, sorry. You know. But there comes a point where if a child continues in rebellion for so long. You know, it wasn't just when they were a baby. It wasn't just when they were, you know, in, in the elementary years. It wasn't just through high school. It's, it's just in life. And, and later on, they, they're, just, they're still in rebellion against their parents, against everything. And there comes a point, I think, that what has to happen in love, and this is just my opinion. I, I can support it biblically if I have to, but there comes a point where if that level of rebellion in that child's heart continues, that, that there has to be a releasing to bear a consequence, you know? Hey, if this is the way that you want to live, I, I, can't, I can't shield you from reality. 
Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that's what he also reap. I see parents swooping in as their kids get in trouble over and over again, always coming to their rescue, always being there, always covering things up, always making it look like nothing's wrong, like they're okay. They're not okay. The best thing that can happen is that those kids are just let go, you know, let go and let God. Because as the natural progression of things goes and the principle of reaping and sowing happens, they realize, oh man, I don't, I don't want to keep going down this road. But the longer excuses are made, the longer that the parents keep covering up for them, somehow it, it's just a never-ending cycle that just keeps going and going and going and going. Look at God as a, as a loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering daddy, father. And he created humankind. He's like, guys, I want you to know who I am. I'm revealing myself to you. You suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You keep doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And now you have these vile passions that you have. And, and you know what? You're just going to have to learn yourself. And he gave them over. It says he gave them over through this next point multiple times. He didn't make them do it. He didn't want them to do it. But it came to the point where he had to give them over in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is forever blessed. Amen. Notice in verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for not a lie. That's very clearly written in this verse. It's not a lie. It's the lie. What do you think the lie is that Paul is talking about? I would submit to you that we go all the way back again to Genesis, and we look in the Garden of Eden. It's the pride of man and the response in rejecting him that God says, you know, You've, you've, turned, you've turned your back on me. What did Satan say to Eve? You can, you can go ahead and take it, take the fruit, because if you do, you'll be like God. So in essence, what this verse is saying, the lie is us making ourselves our own gods. Them making themselves their own gods. They wanted to be in charge. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them, gave them over to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burn in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. Let's pause there before we go through the whole list so we can see the progression that happens. What was the first point? What did they do? They suppressed. They suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Then that makes way for the next point, which is reject, rejection. So it's no longer a theory. 
You know, suppression kind of just happens in your mind. You kind of try to put it down. But the natural progression after you suppress the truth of God, the next thing that comes is rejection. And that becomes, we see, physical. It becomes, a, I'm not just willing to say this is what my ideology is. I'm not just willing to have this position. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to really do whatever I want. Look at that list. Wickedness covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them you know why that list is so long because what we just read it encapsulates the heart of mankind those are the things listed that come from the heart of man That's what they want. Murder, envy, strife, adultery, sexual immorality. Those are the actions, the physical actions that are connected to what the first step was in repression. Now, what we need to understand this morning is, is that if we are aware of this process in the human condition, we can address it better. We don't want to suppress the truth of God because we know that if we do, even in our own lives right now, this has to apply to everybody. If we do, even in our lives right now, then the next step in that process is there starts to become a a rejection of God in our own lives. And make no mistake, I just want to be honest with you guys. I don't hear a lot of pastors saying this kind of thing, but I think it needs to be said. I see people calling themselves Christians, repressing the truth of God in unrighteousness, and then rejecting God and going their own way. And these are the fruits of those things that come from their life. Because not only are they willing to think about it to a certain degree, but then it starts to happen and they take it to the next step, which is the physical step of the rejection of God. Now, this obviously is just a kind little warning from the Holy Spirit to us to make sure that we're not suppressing the truth of God in our own lives, that we're not repressing it, that we're not rejecting, we're not even willing to reject it all who God is in the position that he has in our lives. But now we are in a better position also to take this to the world. If you can identify certain truths or the righteousness of God being suppressed by someone that you know at work or somewhere else, you can address that. I I tell people, you know, there's no way that you can tell me that there's no God. There's no way. Like, look around. Like, I, I I can't wrap my mind around how this all happened by accident. (laughs) There's no way, and you're suppressing the truth of God by holding that position. And it's the first step that you have to take in being restored to a right relationship with God. We can have that as ammunition to talk to people, right? We can say, hey, listen, where you're at in life right now and why you're in this place is because there's there's been a wholesale of rejection of, of who God is. 
you've just flat out, you've repressed the truth of God that he's revealed to you in your life. God's revealed himself to everybody and you've rejected it. And these are the, these are the fruits of that. Then we start the third point, which is revealed. And a lot of people, they cut off right there at chapter 1, and they don't read chapter 2, verse 1. And that's a big mistake. You know why? Because the chapter breaks were not put in the Bible until much later. And there was no stop right here in this section. The, the chapter 2, verse 1 is so connected with the thought that Paul is establishing that it would be an injustice for us not to con- include it in what we're reading right now. Many, many preachers, you guys have heard them. You can hear them on TV. They would like to take the last 10 verses that we just read and point their little finger in your face and say, see, you are unrighteous. You practice these things. You've rejected God, and you're going to incur the judgment, the wrath of God. Have you guys heard those guys with their little finger out pointing in their face? But those are the same guys that don't read chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. You might want to turn me down. This is the part, I think. (laughs) For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Everybody out there is trying to point at somebody else to justify the position that they're in and the sin that they're living in. Which... Paul says, puts them in the same category as those who are going to incur the wrath of God. You guys, you guys who are judging others, you practice the same thing. I don't know how many times I've had this conversation where people say, hey, I'm not that bad. Are you going to go to heaven when you die? I'm not that bad. Have you, have you seen Tim? That guy. He's definitely not going to make it to heaven. I'm not as bad as he is. I'm not as bad as the thief. I'm not a liar. I've never killed anybody. I take care of my family. I try to do the right thing. It's not good enough. That's the whole point. That's the whole flow of what Paul's talking about. He says, if you want to know God, it first has to come from faith. You first have to be confronted with the fact that you've either repressed the truth of God, you've rejected the truth of God, or you've reasoned your own righteousness into the equation because you think you're a good person. And you can look down your nose at others and say, no, you probably won't make it, but I will. The Word of God says, nay, you who judge are guilty of the same sins. Did he say same sins? The same sins. And you and I both know that that's right. You know why? Because I got a brain. I got a brain. And we know that it wasn't literal when Jesus said, if you're right, I cause you to sin, to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you, chop it off. We know that Jesus wasn't being literal when he said that because we would all be, what's that word for the no, people with no arms and legs? Ab, you know, huh? Quadriplegic. I did it. It just wasn't in my notes. And we'd still be sinning and we'd still have to lop off our heads because this is where it happens the most. 
And just because you don't do something externally doesn't mean that you haven't done it internally. And it's the heart of man that is the problem. It's our human condition. It's the heart that sins against God. Yeah, maybe I don't say something to somebody else in judgment to them, but I sure think it. (laughs) Trust me. God, forgive me. I don't want to be that kind of person that I judge other people's lives and place myself on some kind of righteous pedestal to make myself feel better about my position in life. God loves everybody. We've all fallen into, if not one of these three categories, all of them. There's been times of my life that I suppress or repress the truth of God and unrighteousness. There's been times in my life when I've rejected the truth of God. There's been times in my life, and I'm sure there's been times in your life as well, that you've reasoned your position. This is why I'm here. This is my reason. God doesn't understand. I'm just going to do my best and hope for the best. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this? That's the reason again, right? Do you think this? Are you reasoning this in your mind? Oh, man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God. Sobering warning. Don't let us be deceived into thinking that we can judge others, that we can place others below us and, that, and do the same things that they do and we're apart or too far away from God dealing with that. Verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? That is one of, that is my favorite verse. And I love that verse. Is it, isn't it true? Isn't it true? He's, he's instructing the, the people that have their noses up in the air. And he's saying, do you despise the riches of his goodness towards you? The reason that you haven't been dealt with yet is because God is good. The riches of his goodness, forbearance, he's bearing with you and long-suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. I know that that is true in my own life. See, I was born and raised in the context of where I was under law. And, and in my family, we went to church every Sunday, and what I received was you do what, uh, first what the church says, and you do what the Bible says. And, and it was, it was, a, it was a, a law kind of relationship. And I thought that like I had to do certain things for God, and if I didn't, I was going to be in big trouble. wasn't to the point where in God's forbearance and long-suffering with me in my sinful state that I realized it was His goodness 
It was his goodness in my life. And it was because of that overwhelming goodness that you can't really explain to people. They have to experience the goodness of God. Taste and see that it is good. When you experience the goodness of God, there's nowhere else to go except repentance. Do you know what repentance symbolizes? Repentance symbolizes I was right and you, I was wrong, and you were, I was right, God. I'm always right. I was wrong, and he is right, because he is righteous, and it's his goodness that leads me to repentance. Even now, I go through stuff in life because life is full of stuff. And I get off course a little bit. And I start to reason my position with God. And then he just keeps loading me with blessings and taking care of me and loving me. And then I get to the place where I'm like, why am I doing this again, God? You're so good. You're so good. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm such a loser. How many times the Lord has heard me say that? He's like, do we need to come up with some new prayers to pray? Because this whole loser thing, I told you we took care of it. Why do you keep bringing it up? I know you're a loser. You know you're a loser. Let's move on from losing. Be a winner. Winning. God's goodness leads us to repentance. And then as I submit to God and to his goodness... I receive even more of it. But if I don't, then God corrects me. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. What's the emphasis of that verse? The emphasis is if you want to be judged by what you do and what you don't do, then that's exactly what's going to happen. And again, this portion is speaking to those who reason their own righteousness. He said, okay, you want to go that route? You're not bad as everybody else? Let's lay it all out and take a look at your life. And if you're anybody that has a brain, you know. (laughs) You know that the core of your being, you're unrighteous. You're not right. You've rejected. You've reasoned. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. That is one huge blessing, that God does not deal with us impartiality. He doesn't pick and choose favorites. 
The first was the Jews because it was to the Jews that God revealed himself to. It was to the Jews that he sent the Messiah. Okay? And then from that, he gives the message of salvation of, through his son Jesus to the whole world, to the Jew and the Gentile. So the question for us this morning as we wrap it up is, do we fall in one of those three categories this morning? It's not a comfortable question, but I think that it's something that we should all challenge ourselves with. Is there a truth of God or does God's truth, something that we read this morning, does it put us in an uncomfortable position that we have responded back with repression? Have we allowed that repression of truth to lead us to actual physical acts of rejection? Because you can't hide the fact that you're in rebellion. (laughs) You may think you can, but may God give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit wants to show us. Have you been in a position where you've reasoned? You've reasoned your position before God. You've reasoned your own righteousness. You've reasoned the position that you're in. You've reasoned what's right and what's wrong for you, even if it doesn't apply to other people. Then we respond to the Lord so that he can continue. This is the heart. John chapter 17, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God. God, that's what we want. We want to know you. We want to address the condition of our heart. We want to see what you have, how you're going to take us from this place into the future, the next season, and what a blessing it's going to be in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we... We thank you for your Holy Spirit that, that teaches us, that shows us, that convicts us, that brings up things. And Lord, we pray that if we're in a place right now where we've done any of those three things, that you would reveal it to us right now. You would prick our hearts so that by your goodness, we can be led to repentance because we don't want to be separate from you. We don't want to live in unrighteousness. We don't want to do the wrong things. We want to do the right things. We want to be like you, our Father, who created us in your image. And God, we thank you for this information as well, so that we can take this out to share with our loved ones, to share with our friends, to share with our coworkers, not screaming about your wrath, but shouting from the rooftops about your goodness, about the requirement of repentance, about how we've fallen short, we are unrighteous, so that you can bring restoration, continued restoration in our lives restoration in their lives positionally that they would be restored to a right relationship with you. We thank you, Father, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.